Every day, scientists are learning more and more about how human brains work and how many of us don't fit into the old-fashioned understanding of how brains should work. But a lot of ideas about parenting and familial relationships still need to catch up to the reality of human variation. Neurological differences are natural, profoundly valuable parts of being in a community together and in being part of a family. Whoever you are, wherever you are in your journey, I am here to explore with you. We are all in this together. Welcome to Neurodiverging. Welcome to Neurodiverging. Thanks so much for coming back to tune in with me today. If you're new here, I'm Danielle Sullivan and I'm your host. Neurodiverging is dedicated to helping neurodiverse folks find the resources we need to live better lives as individuals and to further disability awareness and social justice efforts to improve all of our lives as part of the larger world community. If you're interested in learning more, you can hit the subscribe button to make sure you're notified when there's a new episode and check out neurodiverging.com. We're also on Patreon, patreon.com slash neurodiverging if you'd like to come be a patron and support this podcast. I also want to give a very, very warm thank you to Zach, David, Teresa, Sarah, and Anonymous for supporting this episode of Neurodiverging. It makes such a difference. Thank you so much. Very pleased to say that I'm talking with Cliff Adkins, who recently wrote a book called Martian, a non-science fiction guide for how to love, raise, and possibly be someone not quite human. We're talking about who the Martian is, their more unique traits, and how to support a growing Martian child at home and at school. It's a really fun conversation. I hope you'll enjoy it. Here we go. Hi, Cliff. Welcome to Neurodiverging. How are you doing? Hi, doing well. Doing well. So excited to be here. Great. Thanks for being here. I'm excited to have you. So you wrote this book and it was just such a fascinating book. I took my time with it and took time to read it. And there was just so much packed in there about, do you want to say a little bit about what the book's about and what inspired you to put all this together and sit with this and put it out into the world for everybody? Right. Yeah. The, um, the book's called Martian, a non-science fiction guide for how to love, raise, and possibly be someone not quite human. And uh, it really came from one, I was trying to articulate my own journey. And, and as you would have read in the book, like I tell a lot of personal stories throughout the book, but also as a counselor, I've been a counselor for the last 15 years or so. I have seen this one specific kind of, I don't want to say personality type, but it, it's sort of this own unique identity kind of wrapped into from toddlers to adults that get overlooked this individual that has struggled to find their voice, struggled to find their identity, their purpose. And in that they kind of get left to the side a lot of times. So I really wanted to empower this specific kind of individual that I've seen over and over and over in my counseling practice. It was really interesting. So a lot of your book is describing, for lack of a better word, personality traits or experiences that this type of person tends to have or feelings that they tend to have. So you're giving sort of almost a a user's guide to identifying yourself as a Martian or identifying your child maybe as a Martian, and then sort of some tips for how to help those types of folks find themselves and be happier with themselves and know what they need. I was just, ah, it was just so interesting. 
And one of the things that I really liked about it was that you talked about this whole theory of Martianness and sort of the Martian identity without using any kind of medical language. So like in the neurodiversity sphere where I'm sort of localized, we talk a lot about you're diagnosed as something, you have these medicalized traits, you're, you know, you're finding your slot in a sort of medical system. And right. a lot of the way that autistic and ADHD folks think of ourselves is through that sort of medicalized lens, because that's just the language that is used in the culture around us. Was it a conscious decision to try to write this book without any kind of, because I think it's really fantastic, without any kind of medicalized language or without any kind of reference to existing I guess, medical terminology, I know I'm saying medical a lot, <laughs> or right. guess what, you know, why did you choose to do it this way? And what was the, uh, what was the goal in choosing that kind of language that you did end up with? It wasn't, no, it was intentional. It wasn't originally that way. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a very, um, I like cerebral discussions, like going into theories and, and like you said, symptoms and different ideas and, and past experiments or peer-reviewed articles, all that stuff. Like I enjoy that, those things. However, uh, and I, I started off putting a few things in there and then my goal for this book was so that anyone and everyone could read this book. Mm -hmm. Uh, and not just someone with a, 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 a specific background, but that literally anyone could pick this book up and understand it, uh, or, or at least get something from it. Um, and I've seen sometimes uh, I know that terminology helps people for, you know, and, and identifying certain symptoms may shine light on things that uh, they've struggled with. I, I, I get that. However, I've also seen it just lock people into this negative almost. It's not, it's not a very empowering, it a lot of times isn't an empowering thing. It's not something uh, it's almost like a life sentence. It's something that's like, will weigh them down. It's a burden mm -hmm. uh, more so than uh, who you are. Let's work within this framework. Let's take who you are and let's guide this. Let's shape this um, so that your gifts and abilities can come to the surface and you can really flourish, that you can thrive. And so I, I didn't want to make this identity, this kind of uh, Martian label, so to speak, uh, be, I wanted it to be empowering. I didn't want it to, to be like for anyone to feel like it's a burden, even with one chapter saying blessing or burden. <laughs> uh, and like, I, cause I know the struggle uh, again, feeling like you're misunderstood, feeling like nobody's quite getting you and, or feeling like every time someone is trying to diagnose you or something like you do have a little bit of this or a little bit of that and just the frustration and all that I kind of wanted to move away from that from those feelings and just really focus on again that anyone and everyone could buy the book and really dig into it uh, and that it would bring nothing but assurance confidence and empowerment those are great words. I did appreciate how accessible the book is. I tend to uh, be a little bit overly academic in my language, and I've had that called out a lot. And it was really great to read this and feel, because it's a very personal text, and it has a lot of stories from your life experience, um, both, you know, your personal uh, experiences and your experiences as a counselor at schools, which I liked. And that made it more down to earth, and you could kind of access right. the, the 
knowledge there, um, but also just in terms of the language you use, the difficulty of the language was really kind of low, low level difficulty, which is great because right. that is a, right. a huge problem with making this stuff available to people. And I also really liked that when you're talking about kind of Martianness and those feelings of being an alien that it doesn't, and this is wonderful, it doesn't perfectly align with say, this is what an autistic person feels like. This is what, this is like a totally different kind of person that right. a lot of different types of people can feel um, aligned with, can feel like right. they have had those experiences too of feeling othered. And here are some ways to, like you said, to find empowerment even within those feelings. That was really fantastic. Right. And yeah, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> you wrote a lot about how you always felt different growing up and that you noticed different people around you, like your students and um, some of your family members. How did the word Martian come up for you? Because it is a very, you know, there's earthlings and then there's Martians. So right. it's to some degree a very othering kind of word that you've sort of reclaimed right. and, and made yeah. an empowering word. So how did that come up? And was it always the word you used or is, has it sort of formed over time? It's, uh, I, I used to always make this joke, um, and I don't, I don't think this made it into the book, but this is really the origin of the actual word. What I used to always say was, at the end of my life, if they were to open me up, there's going to be a little green man running the controls. And I just always said that because I never could seem to quite be what was expected like of, of just a person of just normal. I know I put this in the book that like in junior high, I'm like literally taking notes of like what people are doing, what they're laughing at and uh, just low key uh, doing these things, which is hilarious that when my friends have read this book, they're like, you were for real, like doing this, like. It's a really common experience yeah. for people I talk right. to. So. Yeah. I mean, they were just like, uh, one of my best friends was like, I, man, I don't remember. I was like, you know, well, I'm not like walking around showing everyone this notepad that no one else is having to do this. Uh, but I apparently can't get it. Like I'm not, I'm not getting it. And uh, so, yeah. So like, as I just kind of got older, I used to just, you know, you turned to almost comedy to lighten that uh, angst. Um, of not being able to feel like you're you're fitting in or you're um, clicking you are connecting see that's what was even though I was so different I was able to really connect with uh, mm -hmm. anyone around me um, but especially those who also were were uh, outcasts but I, I just started saying there's some little there's some little guy in me but I, I would always feel like I could connect with them but there was just something else it was like my, one foot was on the earth and like the other was somewhere else and one day I was talking with a parent who has uh, a Martian son and I was trying to explain this this is before the book this is just when I'm just scribbling down notes on a notepad and I'm trying to help her with her son and as we're talking she said you'll never believe what he said last night he said mom it feels like there's someone else at the wheel there's someone else controlling me and he said and it feels like I'm from outer space is what the is what the kid said and once he said that that's when the term Martian just kind of came to be and I started using that that language with my students with parents and, uh, and it just seemed to kind of click. I do think it's a really common, I've, I've heard a lot of, especially autistic people refer to themselves as aliens or outer space. I think there is this feeling for a lot of us of working 
from a different code base or something like you, you, you know, you want to talk to people, you want to connect, but you just can't figure out the social cues. You can't quite figure out the language. It's just, there's this little gap. Right. But a lot of us do really love having in-depth conversations. We just don't care about the social stuff, but the the social stuff is what's important to other people. So there were a lot of pieces of the book where I was like, okay, this isn't, you know, all autistic people by any means or all ADHD people are all neurodivergent people. But there are a lot of bits where I was like, Oh, I know that person. It was, it was really fun to find those in there. And you discuss like a lot of the book is um, a description and sort of engagement with the character traits that go, go into being a Martian and some of the experiences that uh, are common amongst Martians. And there's a lot of differences between the kind of person who is a Martian and the kind of person who is maybe what we would call a neurotypical or like your, your average (laughs) um, brain. And for you, what are just for listeners who are, you know, maybe haven't read the book yet, what are some of the sort of top level or most dominant, I guess, traits of being a Martian, just to give them a better sense of what, what are we looking at here? You know, there's typically this incredibly strong, empathetic connection with with all points of view um with with all people they just are very able to connect and see almost through the eyes of whoever they're talking to or or whatever they're around they can really um connect in that way in in a very unique like a very special way uh which is always i i love talking about art music or movies or songs uh just lyrics with with people that are like because they feel it on a level that's like that's truly like you get it like you get when they talk about it you can feel what they what they feel um so so that deep empathy uh resilience is uh they just seem to always keep bouncing back um no matter what life throws at them and life seems to it's been my experience with the martians that i've counseled that life pretty well continually seems to 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 go at them there there's they seem to constantly be at battle it, it seems like until they accept that like once they feel like you know what this is me uh so i'm going to operate in my strengths and i'm going to focus on that it seems like there's a freeing in that um and the the battles seem to lessen uh and then i would say uh i have a one of my best friends we talk about this all the time and I think you hit on this too. One of the biggest things is that you almost feel like there's two, there's almost like two people at work. Like there's a dual, like you were saying, like you read a little bit and you're like, yes, that sounds like a neurodiverse person. That sounds like somebody with this, somebody who has this, somebody who has this. There's like, I've had my friends say, how can I be so confident yet so insecure at the same time? how could I be so full of faith, but yet doubt with everything in me? Like, how can I, there's like this, this truly pull and it's constant tension. There's like a constant Mm -hmm. tension between, again, that's what I, I think why Martian was so fitting. It's a pull between earthly traits, so to speak. And then this heavenly supernatural type um, pull. Those are the three things that I typically notice. All these character traits are really positive. And especially I think resilience is one that we're always trying to build in our right. kids or as and me as a parent anyway, I should speak for myself, but um, 
a lot of the kids in your book are going ha having really hard times at home or going through very very difficult life experiences, especially so young. Um, and a lot of us who are raising neurodivergent kids, we know that they're going to have challenges just living in this culture. And so that resilient character is really something that as parents we're looking for, and also as educators, I assume that we're, we're looking for and we're also looking to build on. Um, and so building empathy and building resist resilience, those are, they were just such big touchstones for me in the book yeah. because for, as a, for, in a personal way, there are things that I'm, um, I highly value and I'm looking for as a parent to, you know, give to my right. kids. And it seemed like a lot of your, you, you said in the book that you have these like uh, Martian yeah. groups, social groups for the kids in your school yeah. um, who self-identify as Martian. They can come and talk to each other and um, get to know each other and share in the things that are distinct for them. And um, having that kind of social support and building that resilience and that those character strengths seems so valuable and like such a good idea. And yeah, I really... I really liked, uh, you don't need me to tell you that it was a great idea because I know you've seen results, but it's such a good idea always to get kids involved with other kids who are like them, I think. And a lot of parents and educators are scared to do that sure, sometimes. Sure, You know, yeah, they, um, to find those different brains. It was so cute, like where uh, we've, our school model right now has been kind of all over the place uh, with closings yeah. and this and that. Well, last week we went, <laughs> we just went back to like, all of the kids who want to be in a building can come all together or, and, uh, mm -hmm. and the immediate, like the first thing, one of those kids in that group was like, so like <laughs> the group is starting back, you know, it's like, all right, let us, let, Aww. you know, they were just so uh, excited. And what's so interesting is that like, I'll watch them in the cafeteria and they don't hang with each other. They, they, mm -hmm. they're all in their own little, pods they're all in their own little groups but like when they all come together there's like this breath of fresh air for all of them and they yeah. just like talk i usually try to get them to uh what we always call embrace, embrace their weird like that's what yeah. we typically <laughs> say that's a great way yeah. to say it i'm always talking i mean my kids have been home for a full year basically yeah. now i guess yeah, Martin. Yeah, and they were in online school for part of that, and now we're homeschooling. But so it's a little less, um, I guess, near than when they were in public school and interacting with different types of brains all the time. But we're always talking about how you know you don't have to be like everybody else. You just do you. You do you find your strengths. You do what you're good at. You know, try to be respectful. Try to be kind. But like, you know, you're not going to be. <laughs> If you're my kid and your dad's kid, you're not going to be a normal person. Right. So just don't even worry about, it. you know, yeah. yeah. But you can still find comradeship and other people that can, you know, come right. with you and, and go on this journey with you. And yeah, that's really great. I'm looking at what can Martians offer the world. And I'm like, that sounds really pretentious. What was I thinking when I wrote that? Well, it was funny. I, I wrote, I wrote this, you know, I wrote the whole book one. I, I was finally done with it and I just wanted someone else mm -hmm. to read it who had no connection to me. And um, so I gave it to this uh, teacher that was like a 30 year veteran teacher, like here, yeah. read this. And she gave it back to me. She was like the content, you know, I really got into it. I believe one of my daughters are, you know, she was really, she said, you may want to tone down. Like <laughs> She said it felt, <laughs> she said it really felt like you were saying like, you all are the, like, the, here's the answer. Like, here's the, here's yeah. the social answer to all of, all mm -hmm. of societies. And, uh, 
And so I, I, I really had to go back through and, and you can even hear in some of the language in the book, I say, I'm not saying I like directly <laughs> say it like, that's why, because of yeah. this awesome lady. Like I was like, I'm not saying we're better. That is not what I'm saying. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, I always think we need all different kinds of brains. Like if you just had, it doesn't matter what kind of brain it is. If we just had one kind, we would all be dead. And <laughs> right. You do. You, <laughs> you, know, do. you need different right. kinds of problem solvers, different kinds of thinkers, right. but it does seem like there's something that the specific type of brain, like the Martian brain can offer uh, to the community, to like their social groups, yeah. um, which I mean, when I was reading it, it seemed like their strength of character and their willingness to try new things and be a little different. Right. That can be a huge boon to, to the community at large. Yes. Yeah. And, and that feeling of, of, being able to take someone who is low, someone else who is low or disconnected. And because yeah. they have felt that for so long, they can just click with that individual so well to bring them back up yeah. to equilibrium or, or even higher to take them to even like mm-hmm. kind of, you know, infuse confidence in them, like put that in them. Um, and that's what like a lot of a lot of the Martians that I talked to that that feeling of like it, it, that loneliness that comes with with feeling this way. Uh, I, I always try to get them to see that our natural mind wants to focus on the feeling of loneliness is obviously like not a great feeling. But I try to get them yeah. to understand that you use that. You, you know what that feels like. So when you identify and recognize that in others, you know exactly pretty well, to, you know, you pretty well know exactly what they need. You know what they need, yeah. you know how to lift them up. And that is, that, that's like a superpower. I mean, that's like something that you're able to do. And in a school facility, I mean, that needs to be everywhere like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much competing for their attention right. in the school environment, even in a like fantastic right. school. Um, there's just so much, so much pressure that's on these kids sometimes to, uh, to interact socially, to get all their work done, to be, you know, mo- like it's a hard day. It's a long yeah. day, even for adults, I feel yeah. like. So, yeah. So the fact that kids are able to succeed in that environment is kind of impressive to me, just regardless of anything else they're doing, yeah. but especially towards, I think it was maybe your last chapter, the second to last chapter, you had a specific chapter that I kind of wanted to narrow yeah. in on briefly about if you're the parent of a Martian, yeah. like, how do you know what's going on? What are some things you can do to help your kiddo um, kind of cope with their, cope is sort of a dramatic language, but when you're feeling very lonely, you're feeling very low, you're not connecting with people. It can, it can feel like a very hard place to be in, especially for a, a young kid, you know, or right. a middle schooler. Yeah. So. so what are some things that parents or other caretakers can do to sort of help identify Martian kiddos to um, talk to them about any differences they might notice and to just sort of start to bring them back up and start to help them identify all of their strengths and all the, the really cool things they could be yeah. doing. That's a great, that's a really good question. And, and honestly, the, that's the core of the book. That's the whole, that's, that's the purpose. I even tell my students, I'm like, I've already grown up. Uh, like I've already gone through all of that. I don't get to, there's no going back for me. 
and like going through that. And I'm, I'm like, but every time I get to hang out with you all, like I do get to go in a time machine and I get to talk to myself. Like I get to, so that really is the heart of the book. So I typically will tell parents, um, if you start to see a lot of these traits or as you're reading through the book and you're like, oh, I think this is my little one. Like this is, this is my, and if they're like elementary school age, and I say this as one who has tried different things with this whole Martian thing. Like once, once we saw such good results and at the middle school level, I started saying, okay, let's try elementary school and then let's try high school. Let's try college age. So I've tried the things that I lay out in the book have been like, I've, I've tried working um, in different environments uh, with all these different ages and with elementary school, the main thing is, is they're not going to be able to understand uh, the language you know, in, in this, in this book, you as the parent, you as the caretaker, the guardian will see this in them, but they're not going to be able to understand it. Uh, I have tried to, to articulate, uh, this to, to younger ages. Um, and it just kind of, you know, again, it's, it's a little much, I mean, identity and part like that's elementary school age. So what I typically tell parents is foster, um, confidence and impart grace because what is in them, that beautiful world that I talk about, like that beautiful world that is in them needs to get out right now. It's just bouncing around like a bouncy ball inside of a closet. Like that's what it feels like to them on the inside. They don't know. Mm -hmm. They don't know what that is, but that's going to cause, uh, anxiety. It's going to cause them to act out in, in odd or strange ways. And, they need confidence. They need that confidence instilled because eventually they can figure out how to let that bouncy ball out, so to speak, that beautiful world out. And they, they're going to need the confidence to step out and trust themselves as they get older. And so the, the, my fear or my worry for a younger Martian in that elementary school is that they will withdraw or they'll start to feel so nervous that they don't trust themselves they quit communicating. They quit trying to connect because every time they've tried to connect, it's, 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 uh, it's fell through. It's not, they've not really seen the results that they hope to. So I'll tell parents to build that confidence and ways to do that is to, in a school setting, it would be to talk to the teacher and say, could you give my kid a job or a task inside the classroom that you know that they're good at? Like, is there a subject that they're good at that they could help the other kids just to to build that in there. Um, and then at home setting up those social interactions with friends in a safe environment, in a safe setting that's safe for your, your child, because the social part is going to be challenging enough. Like that's going to be like, I'm not saying like protect the kid at all. Like don't let them like be challenged the social setting that will challenge them. The safe environment will allow them to try new things. I'll, I'm more likely to be more myself at my house um, or, or, or at a location where I've, where I've, I've gone with mom and dad all the time. Like I'm used to this setting. So I'm going to try new things and allow them. They're going to come at you with a hundred different questions and, and uh, interests. And I've seen so many parents say, 
whose child are like, and they say it in jest, <laughs> they say it laughing and stuff. They're like, where are these questions coming from? Like, go play, yeah. go play is what they'll typically go be a kid, go mm-hmm. be a kid. Well, um, they are still a kid. Um, this is just kind of how their brain works. Uh, indulge them is what I would say. Like yeah. in, indulge them, um, answer their questions, it, investigate them because again, if that gets shut off, as they get older, when they start to have actual opportunities to express themselves and to connect with what really, really gives them energy, what really makes them feel that purpose, you need them to feel that confidence at that time. You don't want them to shut it, to shut it down. Like I talk about the girl, um, uh, Kaylee in the book, um, uh, how she had just shut down in middle school. Like she had just completely withdrawn and just with that little spark of, uh, I think there's something actually amazing inside you. It just needs to get out. And then overnight, like there's this transformation. So in middle school, I start, I think it's good to start talking to them about, Hey, you're different. That's okay. Like different does not mean broken. Um, different doesn't mean uh, that it needs to get fixed. Like they're like, you're different. Let's, uh, let's talk about that. Like, let's be open about the ways that you're different. Let's start talking about, you know, Hey, I noticed when I go in the cafeteria now, kids are, we all used to play on the playground, but now so-and-so won't talk to me. So-and-so only sits at this Mm -hmm. table. So-and-so only sits at that table. You know, talk about those things. A a Martian mind can handle those topics. They understand Mm -hmm. the social breakdown. They don't agree with it. And that's how, that's how I typically (laughs) try to get them to see that is like, just because you accept it doesn't mean you agree with it and it doesn't mean you're cool with it. Uh, but Mm -hmm. it helps them understand that. And then high school, I start to gear more towards purpose because the whole, don't you want to go grow up, get a job, get lots of money and have lots of things. They're like, no, that what's the significance (laughs) in that? Like, what's the, they, that's not a motivating factor. They're, they're going to be like, what's the point? How am I going to yeah. improve the world around me? What am I going? And, um, and so you start talking like that. And then that conversation can really continue into adult adulthood as well. Yeah. That's really fantastic. Thank you. I have a question to ask her. Yeah. And when he was younger, it was very challenging. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure, <laughs> but I do yeah. think it, that taking it seriously has built his confidence and has, um, well, required me to learn a lot of new things about like mountains, right. and canyons, and other geographic features yeah. of the world. Yeah, to be able to hang with no. him, and I'm sure he holds yeah, on yeah. to all of that. I, I bet. He yes, does. Every, yeah, he absolutely remembers it. Yeah. But it also builds rapport, right. as like the parent-child relationship is really important, especially if he's going to have trouble making other social connections. Uh, I want him to at least feel like he can talk to me and answering the question. It's like, it sounds so basic, but just putting a a plus one from my limited experience into yours that it can really do so much, at least in my family. So thank you. And do you have any um, kind of advice for if the student isn't as lucky as to go to a school like yours with a counselor like you, is there a way that parents can help teachers get on board with um, a student who just needs more supports or it's kind of struggling because of some kind of difference. Uh, I would uh, there. 
and, and I talk in the book, it, it's really is, it's, it's good to have an, an ally uh, within the school, sit, like mm-hmm. to develop a relationship with the counselor. Um, and in all honesty, I, I think a lot of times parents are hesitant to utilize like a counselor, like, again, because it's synonymous with something's wrong. Something's broken. Yeah. Yes. And um, like, and I have to reinforce that with this Martian group. Like Mm -hmm. uh, I had one student who uh, she said, you know, I keep coming in here, but I don't want you to fix me. I said, good, because I have no interest in fixing you. (laughs) Like, that's not, I'm just here so you can get what's in you out. So you can talk through this. And, um, but the, again, the main resource would be, I, I think is that teachers are always looking to make accommodations. So parents can know that like teachers are always, um, just like anybody else, they want to teach all those, all the children, all the different learning styles in the room. Um, and so the biggest thing I would say is, is utilize that student as a helper, mm-hmm. um, and make that, that can be one of the, the strongest resources. The other thing is, and I mean, this may be a large hope, but my goal would be that there would that the parent who would have this book would say, Hey, like, have you read this or shoot me an email, mm-hmm. send me any, like my email is literally on the back cover of the book because, <laughs> um, the, the different publishers or, or and the editors that, that help put this kind of together as, as it, they were all saying, this book is the first step. Like mm-hmm. this is workshops. This is conversations. This is communities within schools. This is, like this is just put this is a conversation starter for something um larger um and so i would say for the parent to to take the book and and utilize it take it to their counselor and say have you thought about this i I feel like the book fairly well lays out a guideline to like what students fit this um description in your school and to to encourage to encourage that, to encourage those groups in the school. Great. Thanks so much. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Neurodivergent today. Thank you again to Zach, David, Teresa, Sarah, and Anonymous for supporting this episode on Patreon. Please go check out Neurodiverging on Patreon to support this podcast. Look in the links below to find out more about Cliff, find his social media accounts, and go check out the book on Amazon. And please remember, we are all in this together. Sorry, I have a five-year-old trying to break in, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) We're okay.